Welcome back for a post-Christmas 2019 edition of Right Now with Jim Dawes. Coming to you on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. Streaming live on iHeartRadio and available as a podcast on all your favorite podcast directories. iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, Spotify, and Stitcher. And you can follow me on Twitter at Right Now Jim Dawes. And we'd love to hear from listeners. The email address is rightnowjimdaws at gmail.com. Or you can call our vent line and get something off your chest at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Well, I hope you had a great Christmas. Uh, I can't believe this year is winding to an end. It, uh, it, it sort of flew by. And out here on Main Street, uh, if you weren't tuned in to what's going on in the swamp in Washington, D.C., your life is great. The economy is doing good. Wages are rising after having been stagnant for the better part of 40 years. Everybody's retirement funds are flush. We had the biggest Christmas shopping season uh, in over two decades. Actually, one day, uh, I think it was the day before Christmas Eve, was the largest shopping day in the history of the country. Now, I'm not I'm not saying you know that that's good from a material point of view, but it's uh, it's a great indicator that people have extra uh, cash in their pockets at long last, and that uh, economically we're doing good. Housing starts way up. The president has uh, managed the economy and pushed through the things that really matter uh, that has have delivered on his campaign promises. But of course. Uh, the Democrats are in a, a full-blown panic because they've been exposed, not only the Democrats, but the establishment Republicans, as having uh, squandered the opportunities that uh, this economy offers You know, during their entire time in office. So you have this guy coming in that had never been in government before, a real estate developer and reality TV star that's come in, and despite their implacable determined, stubborn resistance and obstruction has turned this economy around, has uh, started to reform our trade deals, has started to secure the border, has kept us out of any new, stupid, overseas uh, uh, wars of no national interest. But, of course, you know, that has just further driven the establishment politicians in Washington, D.C. off the edge. Yesterday's show, I uh, I put forward a um, a show of Christmas music. I had intended to uh, to uh, do something uh, a little more, but uh, when Christmas morning rolled around, it just uh, it wasn't happening. Uh, we had uh, we had other things on our mind, and I hope you did as well. But there was a uh, a spoof poem that appeared in the American Thinker, authored by Eric Utter that I had intended to read and I, I really don't want to let it go. So I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you now, even though it is the day after Christmas, it's titled twas the night before impeachments. Twas the night before impeachments when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. Allegations were slung without any care in hopes that the president soon would despair. Democrats were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of impeachment danced in their heads. 
but Pelosi and her Jess soon set her trap and simply settled down for a long winter's nap. Then to the TV arose such a clatter, I sprang from my chair to see what was the matter. And then he appeared. He was there in a flash. It gave me shudders, my teeth I did gnash. Well, he looked like a liar, had a manner so stiff, I knew in a moment it must be Chairman Schiff. More eager than beavers, his minions they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Nancy, now Rashida, now Omar, you vixen, on Waters, on Clyburn, on Swalwell, and Wolf Blitzard. It is Trump we will scorch, forget about the wall. Now bash away, trash away, slap dash away all. His eyes, how they blazed, his features unmerry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose almost scary. His sad little mouse was drawn tight as a crossbow, his words imprecise, his delivery painfully slow. He was spindlier than Trump, a nasty old grump, and I groaned when I saw him and thought, what a chump. The mania in his eyes, the slight twist of his head, soon filled me with nothing, nothing but dread. He spoke feckless words in front of the clerk, and he lied through his teeth, oh, what a jerk. Flipping his finger and thumbing his nose, he tried to run roughshod over those he had opposed. He sprang from his chair to his team, gave a whistle, and they all fell in line, and the president bristled. And I heard him exclaim as he, ere he was done for the night, happy impeachments to all, and to all a good night. (laughs) That was a cute little poem. Sort of uh, puts... What uh, the Democrats did to us right here before Christmas, hanging this impeachment over our heads in context, I think they're engaged in a form of uh, psychological warfare against the voters of this country. It's, It's targeted toward the deplorables, the Trump supporters, but I think it's having a, a much more debilitating effect on on the uh, the Democrats who are suffering from this Trump derangement syndrome and are, in fact, becoming more and more unhinged and more and more uh, really divorced from reality. heard somebody, I think it was Scott Adams, say they're suffering from such a, a profound case of cognitive dissonance that they're having to uh, modify their reality in order to fit their worldview because their worldview is so out of touch with reality. The notion that they're going to impeach the president of the United States for asking about Joe Biden's obvious and and really, uh, I guess the legal term is prima facie corruption over there in the Ukraine, and and I think that's just the tip of the iceberg. But the Democrats, uh, not the not the swamp creatures, but the voters, are being uh, taken in by this cover up impeachment that the Democrats have mounted. And they're uh, they're losing their minds. Trump uh, appeared just prior to Christmas at a huge conference by Turning Point USA. It's a um, it's a, a young college Republican organization that's uh, attempting to push back on the uh, indoctrination that's taking place on our college campuses. They turned out over five thousand uh, for a conference, and Trump addressed them. And uh, and commented on this Trump derangement syndrome. 
People, we have driven them crazy. I, you know, at first I didn't really like the term Trump derangement syndrome. I didn't. But it is. It's true. People actually go see psychiatrists. And all we're trying to do is make our country better. I just says, anything wrong with it? You know, it's crazy. Think of it. We want great education. We want low taxes. We want a strong military. We want homes. We want low mortgage rates. What are we doing that's bad? What are we doing? And yet they have Trump derangement syndrome. It's crazy. It's so crazy. But it's going to all work out. I hope it does. I can tell you what's wrong because they don't want things like good education and and homes and low mortgage rates and secure neighborhoods and, um, you know, in a, a secure retirement. No, no, no. They're much more concerned with things like, oh, getting transgenders in in women's bathrooms and uh, in transferring men who who identify as women from the men's prison to the women's prison and keeping our borders wide open so we can continue to flood the nation with foreign nationals that while offering an incentive of free health care <laughs> if you sneak into this country each and every one of the democrat presidential candidates is offering you free health care so if you're suffering from cancer or other uh, you know, extremely expensive uh, medical conditions that can't be treated in your neighborhood. All you have to do is decamp and depart for America. And if if you're able to sneak in or hell, even if you just uh, show up at the border, you, uh, you, if they get elected, will get free American taxpayer paid for health care. So Joe Biden, Biden uh, took to his Twitter account over the holiday and uh, and sent out a photo of uh, he and his wife and uh, and their family wishing you uh, Christmas greetings. May your time with loved ones be full of peace, laughter, and joy. Merry Christmas and happy holidays with love from my family to yours. And it was a it was a beautiful family portrait. He had his uh, his son's ex-wife and their children there and um and i guess hunter's ex-wife and her their children there was just one interesting person missing from this photo (laughs) and the twitter uh people jumped on it with both feet you know it was uh it was um where's hunter (laughs) and that was uh a uh, refrain that was popularized by Donald Trump, you know, after after uh, they exposed Hunter Biden's corruption in the Ukraine, everybody was saying, where's Hunter? Because Hunter had went underground until he uh, popped his head out for that one interview with ABC's Amy Rohrbach, who tossed him one softball question after another and didn't have any in-depth knowledge of the corruption in the Ukraine. And now he is, uh, he has gone back into hiding. It's come out that he uh, is living in a two and a half million dollar pad in the Hollywood Hills in a gated community, along with Christina Aguilera and a bunch of other celebrities. And that, uh, it, uh, Ann Coulter, uh, Doug, Doug did some, digging and reported that he only paid $14,000 for this $2.5 million house. So there's so much corruption and wrongdoing by this guy and the people that he was connected with, Devin Archer and Christopher Hines. 
you know, if we had real media, they, they would be digging into this and it would be front page news, but they're trying their best not only to turn a blind eye uh, to it, but to attack anybody that uh, like Chanel Rion uh, over there at One American News Network that is actually doing any investigative reporting into it. And I just got to remind you a couple of little uh, clips from from the Democrats' debate last week. I guess it was a week before last. And the Democrat frontrunner, the savior for the establishment in Washington, D.C., Joe Biden, when asked if he was willing to destroy all of the good middle-class energy sector jobs, they are our best-paying jobs in this economy, working-class jobs said this. Vice President Biden, I'd like to ask you, three consecutive American presidents have enjoyed stints of explosive economic growth due to a boom in oil and natural gas production. As president, would you be willing to sacrifice some of that growth, even knowing potentially that it could displace thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of blue-collar workers in the interest of transitioning to that greener economy? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. He didn't didn't preface it. He didn't try to uh, soft sell it or make the case for it. He just jumped at the opportunity to say, yes, the answer is yes. I will, I'll be happy to destroy those jobs. And you don't have to really take him at his word. He's got a long history along with the rest of the Washington establishment and especially the Biden, I mean, the Obama administration that he was a part of in doing just that in destroying jobs on the altar of this false God of climate change. Climate change is be, being more and more discredited. That's another story you won't read in the media. Turns out that uh, we're entering into what they call a solar minimum, where sunspot activity is at a historic low, which usually has, uh, has been shown to usher in uh, ages of global cooling. So far from global warming, we're liable to enter into a phase where we have to worry about uh, people freezing to death and being able to grow enough food to feed this uh, this burgeoning planet. we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to take a look at the uh, Pope Francis's Christmas message to the faithful. He's not uh, really concerned about the Christian prosecu- or persecution that's going on worldwide. He's more concerned about continuing to flood Christian nations with Muslim immigrants. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Mojo. Here's to the innovators, the makers, the doers, and the hustlers of D.C. With Facebook Elevate, you can grow your business, build your online presence, kickstart your career, or turn your passion of creating content into a reality. Facebook Elevate is a program that provides free digital marketing courses and one-on-one coaching from experts that can help you grow your business. Learn more at Facebook.com slash FB Elevate. Facebook Elevate. On the rise. Together. So Pope Francis, the former Archbishop of uh, Brazil, he is a he is a Marxist. He is a follower of the liberation theology that has taken root in the Catholic Church, where they appear to be more determined on um, sacrificing. Christianity and and uh, transforming former Christian nations 
than into spreading the faith. Well, he uh, he took to the lectern there in the Vatican with a huge multitude assembled behind the walls of the Vatican and made the centerpiece of his Christmas blessing addressing the topic of illegal immigration. And, uh, and, and it was just the, the main reoccurring theme in his, uh, his message. He said, may the newborn Lord bring light to the people of Africa where persistent social and political situations often force individuals to migrate depriving them of home and family. Next, the Pope declared that the modern migration is the product of injustice and that migrants are impeded by walls of indifference. It is injustice that forces them to ensure unspeakable forms of abuse, enslavement of every kind, and torture in inhumane detention camps. It is this injustice that turns them away from places where they might have hope for a dignified life but instead find walls of indifference. And then he closed his remarks, said, All the suffering of the members of our human family before bringing up migrants again through our friendships such as this, may we draw close the elderly and lonely and the migrants and the marginalized. So, you know, I understand uh, that it is a Christian message of forgiveness and offering one's support to the stranger, but what was notable about the Pope's speech is he he blamed the migrants' situation on uh, the people of Christian nations that are trying to save their nations from being subsumed in the Muslim world. Uh, France and the United Kingdom are both on track to become majority Muslim nations uh, in the next fifty years, and if you are familiar with the history of Muslim nations, you can bet that they're not going to be too tolerant of Christians or the Christian culture or Christian churches. So what I was taken aback by was the fact that the Pope wasn't advocating that we address the conditions in the Muslim nations that are forcing people to flee. He wasn't uh, advocating that those governments stop persecuting people or mistreating people or oppressing people. No, he was he was advocating that Western nations, Christian nations historically, welcome them in. Well, we've seen the results of that worldwide. You need only look to Nigeria and see the Christian persecution that's going on there. The Pope had very little to say about that. Frank Gaffney was on the One American News Network. Frank Gaffney is a uh, a foreign policy and defense expert. He's got a great podcast. Uh, you gotta you gotta listen to it. But uh, he he uh, described what is going on in Nigeria. Nigeria is in the midst of um, an incipient civil war in which both indigenous forces, some from far removed who have in common what I call Sharia supremacism, are engaged in a ethno-religious cleansing of Nigeria. The trouble with this scenario is not only the bloodletting of innocent people simply because they follow Jesus Christ, but large numbers of those people will be fleeing 
the resultant mayhem. The graduate of Georgetown's Foreign Service School said the ongoing destruction of Nigerian Christians will go down as one of the worst genocides in history. We're witnessing a persecution of Christians on a scale that makes what Pol Pot and Hitler and Stalin and Mao did in their day combined pale by comparison. Well, you don't have to look far to see how Christians are treated in majority Muslim countries. This week, uh, this week, the Sultan of Brunei made celebrating Christmas a criminal offense. The, uh, the word went forth that anyone found illegally celebrating Christmas in Brunei could face up to five years in prison, according to a reported declaration by the Sultan. Brunei, you know, is a, uh, a, a one of these little oil uh, fiefdoms over in the Persian Gulf area. And they introduced their ban on Christmas last year. They said that they had fears that celebrating it would excessively and openly lead to Muslim population, would lead the Muslim population astray. Christians and other, other, uh, others can celebrate Christmas, but they have to do it in the privacy of their own home. And they have to first alert the local authorities Local Islamic religious leaders have promoted the ban, warning that the adoption of the trappings of Christians uh, of Christmas is tantamount to imitation of another faith, which is prohibited by Sharia law. So if you've seen this happen in one nation after another, once the Muslims uh, take charge as they did with our um, war in Kosovo, they burn Christian churches, they ethnically cleanse their land of Christians by forcing them to pay a special tax that's levied against Christians or to submit, uh, you know, to, to Islam. And they go about destroying, um, you know, all of the, uh, all of the historic treasures of that Christian nation. Now the, the social justice warriors in, uh, in our universities and out in, Hollywood and in the uh, the rich environs of Manhattan, they're not much concerned about this persecution of this one group, this group of Christians, because it, it sort of contradicts with their worldview. And nobody spoke out against Brunei uh, making Christmas, celebration of Christmas, a criminal offense. Sort of like it reminds me of uh, the whole issue with Tibet. You remember when freeing Tibet was the cause celeb of Washington or of uh, Hollywood celebrities, they had it on the bumper stickers. They were saying "Free Tibet" on all of the um, many award shows where they pat themselves on the back endlessly. There's a whole season devoted to it. They've turned their back on Tibet, and why? Because the Dalai Lama of Tibet has uh, been advocating for nationalism, national borders, national culture, national languages, national culture. And nationalism, you see, is now a dirty word when it comes to the social justice warriors. They'll take, a, they'll take up the cause of Ahmad Khashoggi to no end. The advocate for the Muslim Brotherhood, the uh, Islamic terror organization... They don't have any time for Christian persecution or nationalism anymore. We're going to 
We'll talk more about that Shogi topic when we come back from these messages, and we'll get an update on the Nancy Pelosi withholding articles of impeachment. Stick with us. We'll be right back right here on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Son, tonight we look after the North Pole while Santa delivers all the holiday goodies. Wooden ponies, dolls, Xfinity. Xfinity? It's only the awesomest internet ever. The whole family can enjoy fast, reliable internet speed and great coverage all at a great value. Plus, advanced security is included at no extra cost with Xfinity XFi and the XFi Gateway. Just log in and activate through the Xfinity app. Choose the speed that works for you. Up to gig. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. A daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. So how's your house look? Is it a is it a uh, a wreck? Did uh, Christmas leave behind days and days of work to put the house back together? I know the lovely Liz uh, brought out all the fine china and all of the dishware. You know she put on her her massive tea party, and uh, it was a great success. We had uh, neighbors over and and had a really uh, fantastic Christmas dinner. But if your kitchen is anything like mine, it's going to take a while to uh, to restore order over there. So as we went out to a break, we were, I was talking about this uh, Khashoggi issue. I think his name is Ag- Aman Khashoggi. He is uh, supposedly a columnist for the Washington Post that, of course, was lured into the Saudi embassy in Turkey and assassinated and his body dismembered and disposed of. They still haven't found a trace of Aman Khashoggi. And that's been the cause celeb uh, for the Washington Post and the other journalists. They've they've taken up his cause because, you know, he, he uh, is supposedly a journalist. He was, in fact, just a shill for uh, the Muslim Brotherhood. But uh, the Washington Post was more than happy to welcome him with open arms into their their news organization and uh, ever since he was assassinated it has been non-stop i don't think a week has gone by without them beating the drum for justice for aman khashoggi and finally this last week uh under you know severe pressure uh the saudi royal prince whose name escapes me right now announced that there have been five convictions in the khashoggi killing so uh you know those people will be summarily uh beheaded it's kind of amazing you know that the saudi royal family kills uh any any political dissidents in saudi arabia with impunity but uh once they 
they had the nerve to uh, go after somebody that was uh, on the payroll of the Washington Post. Suddenly, we all have to stop everything and and uh, work for justice for Aman Khashoggi. Here's a, a clip that just sort sort of sets this all up. This morning, death sentences for the murderers of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi. The Saudi public prosecutor announcing capital punishment for five individuals for committing and directly participating in the murder of the victim. Another three men were sentenced to a total of 24 years in prison for covering up this crime and violating the law. Khashoggi, a permanent U.S. resident and vocal critic of Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, was murdered and dismembered in October last year in the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. His body parts were never found. His death sparked a global outcry against Saudi Arabia and greater scrutiny of its crackdown on dissidents. Saudi Arabia has said the killing was a rogue operation, but critics of the absolute monarchy and U.S. ally aren't convinced. Earlier this year, the UN said the slaying was an extrajudicial execution and called for the investigation of the Crown Prince. NBC News confirmed that a CIA assessment found that Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman ordered the killing of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. The prince has denied any involvement, but in a September TV interview with CBS, said he took full responsibility for the killing. Absolutely not. This was a heinous crime. But I take full responsibility as a leader in Saudi Arabia. Two senior officials implicated in the murder with the closest ties to the crown prince were cleared of wrongdoing because of insufficient evidence. So if you believe any of these um, these Saudi intelligence officers or high-level uh, members of the royal family did this without the crown prince's knowledge, you're kidding yourself. Uh, they would never have taken that chance. But what is really interesting about this is the contrast between the way that they're concerned about the killing of a Saudi royal national. They call him a permanent resident of the United States. I don't think he was actually a permanent resident. So I, I think he was over here on a work visa that was given to him by uh, virtue of his connection with the Washington Post. They call him a journalist. He wasn't a journalist. He was a op-ed writer and, uh, and a hack for the... Muslim Brotherhood that's trying to destabilize the Saudi royal family over there. But the contrast between the way that they're treating that political assassination and another political assassination that has been actively covered up by the Washington Post and the New York Times and the other left-wing news organizations, and that's the murder of Seth Rich. Seth Rich was exercising his First Amendment to engage in the political process, and he was assassinated in the middle of the night on a Washington, D.C. street. And we've gotten to the point now where you're not even allowed to talk about the assassination of Seth Rich. We were, we were told vehemently that this was just a, a mugging gone wrong. Well, it's been, what, two years now since this uh, this mugging happened, and still there's no suspects. There's no determined investigation of it. And this is despite the fact that there is ample evidence to believe that the so-called hack of the DNC was, in fact, a leak 
from inside and that the person leaking that information was in fact Seth Rich. Maybe that's why they don't want us to talk about it. William Benny is the former director of, uh, of the um, surveillance operation that the NSA put together after 9-11. And he says that the National Security uh, Agency, the NSA, has proof of communications between Seth Rich and Julian Assange of WikiLeaks, of course, that leaked the DNC emails. And before we began this phone call, you mentioned something about a lawyer who did a FOIA request. Can you yes. explain that? Yeah, uh, uh, Ty Clemen- Clemens or Clevenger? I, th- I think you said Ty Clevenger. Yeah, Ty, Ty Clevenger. He uh, FOIA'd uh, information from NSA asking for any data that involved both uh, Seth Rich and also Julian Assange. And they responded by saying, we've got 15 files, uh, 32 pages, but they're all classified in accordance with the executive order 13526, governing classification, and therefore you can't have them. Uh, But that says that NSA has communications, records of communications between Seth Rich and Julian Assange. I mean, that's the only business that NSA is in, copying communication between people. So I wonder what's in those communications and why we're not allowed to see them. These are the kind of things that Trump ought to concern himself with. He ought to, he ought to uh, instruct that that those documents be included in his daily intelligence briefing, so we can we can just get an insight into the depth to which the Democrat Party went to try to cover up their wrongdoing in the 2016 presidential election, and to get to the bottom of what exactly happened to Seth Rich. But the New York Times and the Washington Post are over there concerning themselves with a Saudi nationals killing. As I say, not a week goes by without them beating the drum for justice for Aman Khashoggi. But not only are they not interested in finding out what happened to Seth Rich, they're busy attacking anybody who tries to get to the bottom of it. Here's sort of a long clip on this topic. It goes a couple of minutes, but it's, uh, it's worth a listen. Out and the silence from Washington on the Seth Rich case should scare the hell out of you. You have a DNC staffer shot dead in the streets of Washington. Not only that, you have a mountain of evidence suggesting that he is the WikiLeaks source, which means, by the way, because they're not idiots in Washington, that means people in Washington know he was the source. And I'm talking about Democrats and Republicans. Seth Rich is the card that would bring the entire house down. I'm talking the DNC. I'm talking the media. This destroys the credibility of anyone and everyone that's been pushing this Russia story. And if Republicans know that they have this card that can totally bring down the opposition, and I mean in a permanent way, and if they are not using that card, either the RNC has a vested interest in not taking down their opposition, and I'm talking about every senator and every congressman, because all it would take is one putting a little pressure on the local police department, or one guy at the FBI with a little bit of weight, stepping in and say, hey, we have reason to believe this DNC staffer was the WikiLeaks source. We're going to take over this investigation. It just takes one. It just takes one. And the fact that not even one, not even one person involved in this fiasco has stepped forward and tried to do the right thing should scare the hell out of you. The one person with any kind of platform, Sean Hannity, steps up, decides to start asking the right questions. And what happens? What happens immediately afterwards? They try to crucify him. They are scared. This can't just be swept under the carpet. 
That's power they don't have anymore. So as terrified as you should be of this situation, I promise you they are more terrified. Seth Rich died trying to do the right thing. It's time people stood up and said, we're not going to take this anymore. We're not going to allow an elite class to shoot us dead in the streets like a dog. We're not going to allow a complicit media that's basically just a propaganda wing for the elites. Tell us what to think. The elites are so used to the rule of law not applying to them. It's escalated and escalated. It's escalated to the point to where they're literally murdering people right in front of us. We cannot let this go. We need justice for Seth Rich. We do need justice for Seth Rich. You know, you're not even allowed to talk about this at this point. I've tried to publish articles and uh, and the the blogs and websites that I've tried to publish on uh, will will not talk about Seth Rich because they've got a uh, a legal operation going that uh, that will sue you on the mention of Seth Rich. And you have to wonder, well, why wouldn't the Republicans want to get to the bottom of it. You got to keep in mind that the national security agency has everybody's emails, text messages, and phone calls all stored in giant servers out in Utah, formerly in, uh, actually in Brunswick, Georgia. And, uh, and they can access that stuff. So you could also ask yourself, well, why is Lindsey Graham over the Senate judiciary committee? So, determined not to call any witnesses and get to the bottom of the uh, Spygate scandal. Why was Richard Burr, the senator from North Carolina, who heads the House, uh, the uh, Senate Intelligence Committee, why was he so uh, impotent in defending the Republican Party and exposing the Democrats' interference in the 2016 presidential election? He would, he would just give these speeches ahead of his hearings about how, you know, this is going to be nonpartisan and bipartisan and, and uh, he's going to maintain decorum and he's going to, uh, you know, give the minority uh, a full voice and calling for bipartisanship. And then he would hold Mark Warner's coat as Mark Warner went on these rants and tears against the president of the United States. Yeah, I believe uh, I believe that our intelligence community has has dirt on just about everybody in Washington D.C., including the Supreme Court justices. Anybody that uses modern communications, they know everything about them, and those people are scared to death to uh, to go at the National Security Agency. We got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, this BS report from the New York Times. That, uh, that said that Trump, 91 minutes after his conversations with President Zelensky, froze the aid. It turns out that that whole report was another massive bit of fake news that was uh, just designed to leave you with another walls are closing in kind of story heading into the uh, Christmas season. Stick with us. We'll be right back. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. 
Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So last week, after the Democrats finished their uh, get-out-of-town impeachment, uh, but before Nancy Pelosi uh, issued her threats to withhold impeachment and freeze them, the, uh, the Senate from it, uh, trying these articles, the New York Times reported that uh, new emails had been discovered where the Pentagon uh, show it that they showed that the Trump White House officials were discussing suspending military aid to Ukraine. As I said, just 91 minutes after the president spoke with uh, Ukrainian President Zelensky. Now, just as an aside, it is not a crime to deny aid to the uh, to the Ukraine. That is perfectly within the president's authority. And if he wanted to do it uh, until they got to the bottom of the corruption that went on in the Ukraine in the 2016 election and re- uh, related to the Biden family, that is a perfectly legitimate exercise of his executive authority. This email was supposedly leaked to the New York Times by the Center for Public Integrity. That is another one of these George Soros-funded organizations. And the Times said, new emails released by the Pentagon showed that White House officials discussed suspending military aid to the Ukraine just 91 minutes after President Trump spoke with Volodymyr Zelensky. That sent Chuck Schumer scurrying to the well of the Senate to declare that these are explosive emails and it it, uh, justified his calls for additional witnesses during the Senate's impeachment trial. But what didn't get covered in any of this breathless reporting is that the order to withhold funding had actually been made seven days before the call, not 91 minutes after the call. Breitbart reported that the Office of Management and Budget immediately pushed back on these emails, explaining that the aid hold was actually announced seven days before the July 25th call and that the Center for Public Integrity was harping on one line and 146 pages of documents that the organization obtained, trying to paint an inaccurate and misleading picture of the timing of the aid. The OMB strongly denied that the email, one of many, had anything to do with Trump's phone call, was not connected, excuse me, explaining that the communication was part of an ongoing process put in place a week earlier. But the email was hyped by the media and, and uh, claimed that it showed officials at the White House, Office of Management budget and Budget, were reacting to the phone call, which it, the, this email was entirely unconnected to. So just like previous reports, this hit piece against Donald Trump was just designed to shape public opinion. There was no truth to it. Not only is the New York Times a biased news organization, but they're a dishonest news organization. They are what the president refers to uh, commonly as the enemy of the American people. They're trying to propagandize you and fill you full of disinformation 
to uh, to pursue their political agenda. Well, you might have uh, listened just right after, I think it was on Monday's show, that I pointed out that this article by Noah Rothman, this, um, this fey-looking uh, elitist legal scholar from Harvard University that testified against Donald Trump at the House Judiciary Committee, this article that he wrote saying that the impeachment wasn't complete until Nancy Pelosi transmitted the articles to the Senate and the Senate was unable to take up these articles if the House didn't transmit them. That sent a lot of Republicans celebrating, well, uh, Trump hasn't been impeached yet, and and even members of the Senate I heard uh, saying that, well, he still hasn't been impeached and we can't do anything until they send these articles over here. That was a a bit of... um, manipulation by Noah Rothman designed to create an atmosphere that uh, it was somehow illegitimate for the Senate to move forward on these articles unless and until Nancy Pelosi sent them over there, giving her leverage in trying to dictate how Mitch McConnell and the Republicans in the Senate hold their trial, their, their impeachment trial. And then uh, Jonathan Turley came forward and he published each and every instance in the constitution where impeachment was mentioned and it doesn't give nancy pelosi the power to withhold articles of impeachment at all it doesn't require that the house of representatives send these articles of impeachment over for the senate to move forward on a trial these articles of impeachment are public record mitch mcconnell is perfectly within his rights to just take up these articles and schedule a trial and if the House managers don't show up. Well, that's on them. He can move forward with the trial and uh, in a, a quick and mercifully um, abbreviated dismissal of these charges. But all of the mainstream media, they're in on it, and they uh, they took up this cause. Nicole Wallace over at MSNBC, a fake news propaganda outfit, had this to say twist no one saw coming after making donald trump the third president in american history to be impeached and the very first american president to be impeached for abusing his office to try to cheat in a future presidential contest nancy pelosi now says she will wait to transmit the articles of impeachment for some guarantees that the senate trial will be fair We have legislation approved by the Rules Committee that will enable us to uh, decide how we will send over the articles of impeachment. We cannot name managers until we see what the process is on the Senate side. So far, we haven't seen anything that looks fair to us. Pelosi's gambit throwing the timing of a Senate trial into limbo. New York Times writes this, quote, with some leading Democrats pushing to delay transmittal of the articles and others advocating that they be withheld altogether, it appeared increasingly likely that the limbo could persist until the new year. Well, that's that's wishful thinking on their part. Nicole Wallace is throwing in on the, the little tactic there. This tactic was put together by Lawrence Tribe, another Harvard legal scholar. Who, who whispered in Nancy's ear that uh, she ought to try to gin up some leverage by threatening to withhold these articles of impeachment. Uh, I'll, I'm not going to quote each one of these times that the uh, word is mentioned in the Constitution, but I will refer to you to Jonathan Turley's excellent article on the topic. 
And it doesn't say anything about the Senate having to wait for the House to take these up. These articles of impeachment are public record, and they're perfectly within their power to move forward with it now that Donald Trump has been impeached. But uh, I think I was the first, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big purveyor of, uh, of news, or purveyor, not purveyor, uh, a consumer of news, and I was the first person that I saw mention this fact, but now Alan Dershowitz and Jonathan Turley and several other uh, actual legal scholars, as opposed to me, who plays one on the radio, have, have uh, confirmed that, yes, indeed, there is nothing to stop the Senate from taking these articles up. Tom Fenton uh, appeared on Tucker's show and talked about uh, what's behind this whole impeachment effort and this delaying tactic. Well, it's a terrible day for the Constitution and the country. The president has been terribly abused. Our Constitution's being attacked. And, you know, taking a step back, we have information that the United States government, more or less, was lying to us for three years about Russia collusion. Uh, and, and, sure. and by the way, about Afghanistan and UFOs and fill in the blanks, the food pyramid. Right. I mean, do you know what I mean? Like all the things we're not talking about. Right. Yeah. But the lies were designed to put this man in jail. Yes. And he's been completely exonerated and vindicated. And he was started asking questions about what went on in Ukraine as it was related to that. And now the same gang that lied about him and tried to put him in jail illegally is now impeaching him for asking questions about it and impeaching him for defending himself in response to their obsessive uh, activities with regard to trying to get his people to obsessive testify. Is, obsessive is right. And I, I, look, I hate to digress. I'm throwing this at you cold. You'll be forgiven if you don't want to answer it. But it's a sincere question. Why does Trump threaten these people so much? Because this is irrational. It's hurting them. They're doing it anyway. They're clearly in some kind of psychological, state, unhealthy state. But it stems from the fact that he threatens them. They look at him and it's fight or flight. Why is that? Uh, they see him as a revolutionary reformist figure uh, on these issues that you have highlighted on foreign policy, on the role of government in our lives, on the nostrums that we are all supposed to be falling down around. That's right. Here in Washington, D.C. Oh, foreign aid. Let's all fall down oh, yeah. and not any question, not ask any questions about how it's spent. Uh, having someone. we got to arm Ukraine. That's Tom, right. We have to arm Ukraine. Oh, we, right. If there's one thing, you know, there's one thing Jefferson and Madison agreed on, arm Ukraine. Hey, we had a FISA court yesterday say they can't believe the FBI on anything. And this man is being impeached for asking questions about that party's, the Democratic Party's, potential political nominee, presidential nominee. This is what it's about. It's about protecting Joe Biden. It's about protecting themselves from the consequences of their criminal behavior. They're nervous that the DOJ has begun asking questions. And in many ways, this is a massive obstruction of justice. Uh, and. I tell you, the president needs to be sure that his defense is a lot stronger than he's allowed it to be thus far. Uh, because this impeachment didn't have to happen. He should have been defended more strongly, legally. And the Senate trial, I don't know how it's going to turn out. But, he, but uh, those who support the rule of law need to push back hard on this. Yeah, and the irony is... Well, they need to push posturing all day about the rule of law, even as they work tirelessly to subvert it. Yeah, I love I love this when they're constantly out there saying nobody is above the law. They they skip right past the part where there is an actual crime that's been committed that the president is supposedly not above the law about. There were no crimes that were cited in these articles of impeachment. So after we were drugged through these accusations of bribery and extortion, quid pro quo and all of that. They put together these amorphous uh, 
articles of impeachment, just trying to throw things against the wall and make them stick. They don't want to put anything up there that can be disproven and make them make their whole impeachment jihad look as foolish as it is. So they just accuse him of abuse of power. How dare he ask about Joe Biden? You know, this is uh, this is another one of these Russiagate hoaxes that we're being uh, fed. It's a cover up. The first the whole Mueller investigation was to cover up the FBI and the CIA's wrongdoing on behalf of the Obama administration to spy on a political campaign of their opponents. And now that Donald Trump is asking about the Democrats, including Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's corruption in the Ukraine, they've mounted this impeachment effort as another cover-up opportunity. But it, thankfully, it ain't working out here on Main Street. And Joe Concha appeared on Fox News along with Dan Bongino and talked about it's just not working. Uh, the walls are closing in. The, the walls are closing is in. We got them now. It's the beginning of the yeah, end. Beginning yeah, of the end. it's losing its Every impact. cliche in the book. The, the panic among media over the lack of impact of impeachment, uh, it basically is wrapped up in these five numbers that I'll share quickly, okay? Yeah. Trump's approval is now at 49% in a Hill-Harris X poll that we just released tonight. It's the highest it's ever been in that poll. Every poll is trending in a positive direction for the president, as you've mentioned. So the support for impeachment is going down even among Democrats who prior to this fiasco supported impeachment and removal like 90%. It's down to 77%. The president's approval ratings are going up. Even in the uh, RCP average, he's up to almost 50%. The economy is doing great. Wages are increasing. And the Democrats don't have a candidate that can beat him. I just... I can't decide which one of these uh, these clowns on the Democrat side I, I wish or that I hope most becomes their nominee. Well, that takes us to the end. I want to thank you for joining us and invite you back here tomorrow. I've been working at Santa's workshop for a long time and thought I'd seen it all. That was until I learned that when you add Xfinity Mobile to Xfinity Internet, you can save hundreds on your wireless bill. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Internet required for mobile. Here's to the innovators, the makers, the doers, and the hustlers of D.C. With Facebook Elevate, you can grow your business, build your online presence, kickstart your career, or turn your passion of creating content into a reality. Facebook Elevate is a program that can help you build your brand, fuel your passion, and earn money from your digital content. Learn more at Facebook.com slash FB Elevate. Facebook Elevate. On the rise. Together.